When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse, and for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. We've got science to celebrate demons for this hell. Come on! There's rebellion in the wind. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Dinosaur blocks? Now let's put those here to test our faith. That damn lie, I, I saw them with my own eye! Did I accuse just drop sharply while I was away? We did it illusions, man. None of it is true. I'm not insane! This is mass madness, you maniac! In God's name, you people are the real thing! We are the illusion! Welcome back to the Deep Share podcast. So recently, we had researcher and author Dwayne Hayes on, and we talked a lot about causes and problems and the perpetrators of those causes and problems that we still have today. Tonight, we're going to switch gears, and I've invited Dwayne and his lovely wife Megan on to talk about solution-based situations that, uh, from personal experience, they have a lot to talk about. They are the owners and operators of half uh, of Hell's Half Acre Farms, and I am so excited to get into this conversation. I can't wait to present this to you. Dwayne, Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Cool. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. good to be here. So yeah, Dwayne, last time we talked a lot about a, a lot of gloomy subjects, and mm. I figured it would be great to have you both on to talk about all the exciting things that you guys have going on and, you know, explain to my audience where it all came from and where it's headed, and I think it's, uh, it's a really amazing thing you guys are doing, so I think let's just dig right into it, man. Yeah, uh, I think probably a good place to start is at the beginning, and so for anybody that is interested in doing what we're doing because there's a lot of people doing what we do out there, you know, uh, farms are owned by an aging population generally. And so there's opportunities around for everyone, no matter where you live, there's a farm that probably needs a new manager or, you know, uh, a a life to have extended. So uh, I'm just going to start with the very first thing that we ever did 
This is what we handed out. And it's flyers. Yeah, it's a flyer. It was like a uh, three-fold little pamphlet that we created just off our printer. And you can see that we were asking people for their backyards because uh, nobody was using their backyards. And so it was really, you know, partly inspired to from Curtis Stone, who's a world-famous urban farmer. And he happened to just live two doors down from us. Hmm. And so at first we were looking at borrowing or leasing people's backyards. And so we had, we went actually to uh, the, the first day that we ever actually went out in public as Hell's Half Acre. Megan, maybe you want to share the, the first picture of the slideshow that we have, but it's a picture taken of Megan and I, April, early April, 2016, I think it was. And so, you know, that's actually a little late in the season to start uh, seedings and all of that. So mm -hmm. we were a little bit behind. And so we thought, well, let's just get our name out there. And so what we did was we just grew a bunch of pepper plants and a bunch of tomato plants and uh, took some pictures of our products and laminated them all and made a little booth. And we went to this craft show, craft fair. And we were really the only ones um, that were selling plants. Everybody else had uh, crafts. You can see the people in the background there. Mm -hmm. So they're entrepreneurial minded. And it was really the opportunity was given to us from Megan's sister-in-law. And so, you know, we're forever thankful for that opportunity because everything came from there. And Megan, feel free to jump in here whenever you want. Yep. But, um, so we started there. And that was the Saturday and it, it was minimal cost to, to have a booth and they were nice enough to put us right out front there. And you can see, this is what everybody would see when they came into this craft fair. Oh, they knew what they were doing. You know, this sets the stage. That's like a presentation. When you walk into a room, it's going to lure people right in. That's yeah. And it, and it did. And, you know, we weren't really sure as to what was going to happen or what the response was going to be but we were pleasantly surprised by you know how many people were interested in selling tomato or purchasing tomatoes and and peppers and growing them mm -hmm. and then so from this uh first day on the saturday turned into a sunday with a with a it wasn't a craft fair what was it megan flea market yeah, it was a flea market. So it was actually a different crowd, Andy. It was like guys selling car parts and stuff. So that we, we never even got pictures of that, but we should have got pictures. So we didn't, we were, uh, the owner or the organizer of the event that rents the, the places that they do these uh, craft fairs, she approached us and said, hey, if you guys want, there's another day tomorrow. She wasn't organizing it, but she could hook us up with the organizer. That way we didn't have to put away our plants and we could just leave them there for the night and show up the next day. Oh, perfect. And so that's really the day that everything happened for us. Uh, the neighbor of the farmer that that owns the land that we lease now just happened to be there. And he saw the pamphlet and he, he read it. And, you know, at that point, Megan and I hadn't even thought about uh, a farm yet. We just thought about 12 or 13 or 14, 15 backyards. 
and now when I think a bit about it, it's a little daunting to have. I'm not sure I'd have been able to, or we would have been as successful as we are in that environment, having to please 15 different homeowners and their dogs and their kids and all of the extracurricular stuff that comes along with that. We were blessed truly to this day. We feel blessed that, you know, Al came along and, and put us together with the farmer, Bob and Janet Tucker. And it's just, uh, it's been a win, win, win all the way through from, from this very day. Yeah. It seems like if you had to rely on, on using other people's backyards, it'd be a whole different ball game. You know, it might not be where you are today. Do you know, it may be very different. Um, just the idea of having that many adults in the mix making decisions or at least like overseeing a situation that can be a real mess real fast you know with the two of you together as a team on your own land that you can deal with every single day you know and you're making the decisions that's clearly a much uh, easier approach or a better approach i think yeah yeah it was um i had honestly until that day i'd never really thought about it and uh, we've never thought about doing backyard since. But I will say this, that urban farming is a thing. And Curtis Stone made a very good living doing exactly that. So, you know, I'm not sure how he did it. It probably takes a better person than me. But um, we've been just totally lucky as to, you know, the the farm that we just kind of stumbled into. And, you know, it already had a kiosk so we could sell our vegetables through there, even though it, the first year we didn't because they were still running the farm, Bob and Janet, they were just uh, 78 or 79 and wanting to get out of farming. And they had one leg out and one leg in, and we were, we were in the same position, you know, 30 years younger and ready to go. And so Bob gave us a, a little plot of land out front to see if we could prove ourselves. And then by the end of the year, he'd, he told us that the next year we could manage the whole farm if we wanted to. And so they moved sort of out of all of the work as we moved in. So Another thing we've been really lucky with uh, at the farm is the fact that there is so much existing infrastructure. There's a greenhouse to start our plants. There's a, a heat, it's a heated greenhouse. There's the ability to heat it. There's, you know, a large hoop house. What is it? Forty by one hundred feet long. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. Other... Dwayne was telling me. Sorry. Yeah, we're, uh, we're... Dwayne was telling me about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're really blessed by that. If if we were in people's backyards, we wouldn't have that ready-made right. infrastructure. We have Bob with the tractor. We can get him to move stuff for us. Uh, the tractor has been uh, a huge saver. Not only that, he has a big tractor, but also there are about five or six little tractors on the farm that don't run spectacularly. They're quite old, but you know what? They all have their uh, purpose. We have one to yeah. hill the potatoes. We have one to, you know, do something else. It's just, it's really fun. And it's a great, such a great way to jump into the farming business for us. Yeah. You get to yep. kind of like use everything that was handed to you like as much as you possibly can and get all of its use out and there's so many of us out here that want to like escape the the life that we're 
not the life that we're in, but the area we're in or the restrictions that we're in and get some land. I mean, that's my wife and I's goal is to get that. And man, to start in a place that already has a, a, a greenhouse would be a dream come true. Yep. That's yep. such a huge like uh, step in the right direction. And, and yep. that's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, because... I love just to say real quick, I love the, the idea that you guys showed up to sell people on their their the willingness to grow their own food yeah which is really cool you know not just the idea to sell sell your vegetables it was to like kind of sell an idea to someone Mm -hmm. you know which is really cool i think that's what we need right now i think everybody you know getting people interested in growing their own food is a massive thing you know we've Mm -hmm. stepped away from that over the last hundred years and most people think that their food literally grows in the back of walmart right and so you know when we I mean, and there's a lot of people interested in growing their own food and it's Mm -hmm. such a wide, large market that we didn't feel like we were harming ourselves at all by providing people with the plants to grow their own uh, fruit and vegetable. And that's really our message that everybody can do it. You know, we're not special. We've just, we had the, um, we were given the opportunity and, and we had the mindset of creating something. So maybe, uh, Megan, can you flip to the next picture? I've got just a variety of pictures of kind of on the farm life. Oh, uh, yeah, bring them on. This is yeah, yeah. inspiration. This is this first is, year stuff here. Yeah, oh, yeah this, this is, is the very first plot that we were given by Bob. It's called, we call it A Block now. Everything's uh, numeric or alphabetically uh, listed at the farm. So this mm-hmm. is A Block. This was our very first year. So we actually, we've changed quite a bit of stuff over the years. We, these are 50 foot beds and we actually broke them into 25 foot. You can see kind of a walkway in between. They're going from the camera person to me. I'm watering there. So we've changed that. We do just 50 foot beds now, but this was our first year. And the reason why we did that was because we wanted to be able to provide as many uh, vegetables as we could. And so in that A block, we were only given, I think there's only 16 uh full length beds there so we cut them in half and made them all 25 feet and we're able to because when you're growing arugula or or something that's high rotation uh you have to have a bed seated while you're harvesting another one and, and you're thinking about planting another one so this is really this picture was taken when we were really just trying to figure things out uh megan had a little more growing experience than i did i really hadn't grown anything in my life before so everybody that's you know that's valuable information this this can happen but it you know you just have to there's a lot of failures a lot of learning experiences what we call them to get us Mm -hmm. here this is our sixth year going in and you know this is where it all started and you know the other fortunate thing too was that that bob was there too yeah so he was able to actually he he came to me on the first year and said, you know, your potato patch is almost gone. And, you know, I, I didn't know what he meant, but by the time I got down there, he'd shown me what a potato or Colorado potato bug was. And I'd never even been introduced to one. And because I just trusted that the potatoes were doing fine down in the corner of the farm, I left it for a few days and they just about decimated the whole crop. So that was when we learned about the Colorado potato beetle and you know Bob and Janet have been super helpful that way in teaching us things and ways and you'll see through this uh slideshow that we've we show some of the stuff that has helped us along the way 
man. Yeah. I mean, it always comes, yeah, failure after failure always breeds more success in the long run, yeah. but it does take those failures. And, and it's so, when you're growing food, it you really start to understand how how like personal it is and painful it is when things <laughs> fail man it's yes. unbelievable so you guys give me a lot of hope you guys being in your sixth year us going into our third year now just on a very small little plot but uh right. you know this really shows us you know what's possible because this is this is a dream come true what i'm seeing in front of me man. yeah and that's actually really good of you to already have three years growing experience to step in if you were to find an opportunity like this that's a, a lot of valuable experience already so, or sort of accumulated within you so yeah you know yeah go ahead and you flip that start whenever you don't have Picture to me. go to school you don't have to do any of that you just have to learn from the right people you know yeah so you can yeah there you go so there's me standing in in uh d block that's all tomatoes there. And then there's a tree you can see just randomly growing out of there. And so this is kind of the state that the farm was in. And so we've done a lot of changes. We've kept it up too, because, you know, Bob and Janet were farming there for 30 years. And so, you know, with the, over 30 years of working, it, it, you know, certain parts become dilapidated and, you know, in order for us to keep going, you know, luckily for me and I'm a farmer or a red seal carpenter and megan's willing to get in there and get dirty and, and help so you know when things are falling over or breaking down we we get in there and fix them good another good thing was that bob basically kept everything for 30 years and wow. you know he had, he had a lot of friends that would just drop off stuff for him posts and you know wires and all all this just incredible collection of things so it's rare that we have to go off the farm to fix stuff there's just a lot of lumber stored and so you know it's been that's so convenient yeah, yeah. So convenient. that's a first year picture there too yeah yeah it sounds like me i mean every time i get a hold of any material that seems useful i'm like i don't know where i'm gonna put this but i'm gonna hold Keep on it. to this <laughs> i'm not sure how i'm gonna use it or when i'm gonna use it but it looks handy. like i could it could be useful yeah. yeah yeah this could go on a jet pack we don't even know yeah that's right so this is a second year photo because we've got rip there she's just a puppy I was just introducing she, her to the farm gotta have a farm dog yep. yeah yeah german short hair pointer hunter dog you know we wanted that for part of our lifestyle too and and the farm is her favorite place it's really the only place other than our home here that she knows and she's champing at the bit we've been at the farm the last couple of days and she's just been her in her glory running around it's two and a half acres total and Basically, she's got free range of going wherever she wants, except for the backyard yeah. uh, of Bob and Janice, because she disturbs the cats. And so we try to respect, you know, Bob and Janet as much as we can. Absolutely. The Bohemian Cafe. So, Megan, maybe you can tell the story of Bohemian Cafe, how we got Absolutely. hooked up into the restaurant. Yeah. So Bohemian Cafe is a little uh, restaurant in town open for breakfast and lunch and they do a ton of catering they do weddings they do a lot of events in Kelowna uh so we figured we this was our first year we figured we've got to go get some customers <laughs> so Dwayne and I went downtown and Dwayne you had pictures I believe of the salad greens that you were 
that we were planning on growing. I think we had them seeded, but we hadn't, they were growing still. We didn't have any samples of our salad greens. So Dwayne went into the Bohemian Cafe and said, hey, I'm growing some salad greens. Is somebody interested? And the owner wasn't there at the time. Uh, The owner's name was Hans and he wasn't there. So Dwayne left his number and like 15 minutes later, we were still downtown. Dwayne had still stopped at another place. Uh, He got a phone call. And it was Hans on the phone. And Hans says, sure, what can you supply me? And Dwayne's like, I think I can (laughs) supply you what you need. So, and the rest was history. Honestly, we supplied, and we still do as much as we can for the bow. They're busy. They will basically take a ton of salad greens. There's been, I believe we've sent... 10 20 pounds at a time even for some of their events um but a regular base a regular order would have been like between seven and ten pounds per week which is quite a bit of salad greens if you think about it so yeah it's been a great partnership wow that's incredible yeah that was the that was the first day really that we went out looking for business and i just went down the main road here in Kelowna and just stopped in at a lot of uh, establishments, restaurants, stores, etc. And I was, you know, this was a very profound day for me because I had to face my fears. And I thought I was gonna, you know, be told to get lost. But you know, mm. the, the respect that farmers have in this town, they welcomed us with open arms and basically you know, I didn't even know the language. He asked me what kind of salad green greens we grew, and I didn't know what to tell him because I, I didn't even know the names of things. But I'm just telling this story because, you know, it can be inspirational to people. And on the other side of fear was everything that we ever dreamed. And so, you know. That's always the case. Yeah. You know? And uh, it's been a one of the most profound life learning experiences for me. And I was 47 or 48 years old when this happened and and it's really just set off us off in this direction and we've never really looked back and you know the market for for vegetables grown locally is huge here and generally i would say that that is the case wherever you go in north america you know we still understand that the importance of growing food from the soil and locally so you know it was um it was a really, it was a fond experience. I always refer back to it. And yeah, we were doing supermarkets for a while there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was really one of the keys was when COVID hit, uh, supermarkets and restaurants were closed. And so we, we weren't sure what we were going to do. And so maybe you can flip to the next photo. I don't know if the food box, the harvest box that we do is coming up, but that's really what we had to turn to we were forced to create a harvest box and we had some close friends more of megan's close friends really got behind us and supported us and the harvest box it it's been the biggest thing for us and we basically have built the whole business around that and you know we don't really provide to supermarkets anymore Mm-hmm. Uh, and so people generally come to us or we deliver on the Tuesdays. Yeah. So that's a picture of spinach or uh, arugula there. It looks 
super fresh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's get get into um, further detail on the harvest box. Tell people, um, you know, can this be distributed? Is it just strictly local, or would you have the potential to to distribute that further? Or like, what do you tell us about it? Yeah, well, I would say that the it's local for yeah. sure. Uh, we are thinking about you know the Okanagan, Okanagan Valley here. We're central. And about 50 clicks to the north is another larger city where I'm from. And then about 50 clicks below us is Penticton. And so we are entertaining the thought at this point of providing for Vernon and Penticton. We, we get a lot of uh, positive feedback and inquiries when we post in, in April for our food box. And we start promoting ourselves. We get a lot of calls from both those cities. So I would say that, you know, if the demand is there, we would definitely want to go there. This is the valley that uh, we grew up in. And so this is why we chose to stay here and and do what we do. And so, yeah, uh, we would we would go that far, but we're not shipping anywhere outside of the valley. We're generally, you know, the majority of our customers are from Kelowna. And then I would say out of that, there's a large percentage there in the Glenmore area in the in the valley up here in where we are that are mm-hmm. that come into the farm and pick up yeah that's fantastic and so what's included in in one of these boxes how much are people getting like um yeah what, what's the, the box, free... yeah. what's that just seeing if megan can find a picture of the food box we've uh, yeah, included yeah. two or three in here in a world and full so... of subscriptions this sounds like a sustainable one <laughs> Yes, this is, you know, it's, it's, we've grown double every year since the start. Wow. We started with 13 and they were all friends and, and family and we've grown every year. And then last year was really the first year that we had strangers as customers. So mm-hmm. that was kind of, well, that's fun. so cool. <laughs> yeah. It was like people we don't know or are liking our, our vegetables. And yeah. so it's seasonal. Yeah. So this is one thing that, um, uh, our customers need to know going in is that, you know, there are uh, providers of vegetables throughout the year, but uh, rare is it that you'll find one that grow just seasonal. You know, they'll bring in a lot of things from, you know, they'll have bananas and oranges and all kinds of things that aren't grown here. We've just decided to stay and show people what is grown throughout the season because I found it interesting how, you know, especially berries work. They each have their time. They don't all just come on at once. So we try to, we don't grow um, fruit. We were growing some raspberries, but we try to incorporate other people doing sort of similar things as us. We've got a, hopefully again this year, a strawberry supplier, and he's of the same mind as us in, in our growing techniques and the reasons for what we do. And so, you know, we find that people are blown away by the taste of food grown from the soil. They're, they're so used to buying things store bought from a thousand kilometers away that it's, it's a rarity that you eat something, you know, five minutes after it's been pulled from the soil. And so that is priceless to us. The the freshness is super important. Um, We, for our food box, we either harvest the day before or the day of, I mean, you really can't beat that for like Dwayne just said for freshness. Uh, another thing that really, like Dwayne said, sets us apart is we do grow everything on our farm. There are no other CSAs in the valley 
uh, CSA is Community Supported Agriculture is what it stands for. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are no other subscription boxes in the valley that actually grow their own vegetables on their own land. So that definitely sets us apart for a lot of people. Absolutely. I mean, that's farm to table, no middleman, no yeah. nothing. And, exactly. you know, I've heard, I can't remember if it was a study on like the blue zones around the world or something else, but it, they went around and they studied different groups and they found that like prominently the most healthy people are the ones that are eating the foods seasonally growing in Ooh. their immediate areas. Right. And, you know, this just brings me to so many different topics that I've already get been into that involve like us coming from nature. You know, we are like the animals around us. They, mm-hmm. they, they have habitats, you know, I mean, we move around and we create a lot of artificial habitats around us, but it seems like getting back as close as we can to our natural environments is the most important thing. And it's yeah. great when you have an opportunity like you guys have, have had to, um, mm-hmm you know, to nourish something like this. This is beautiful. And I think more yeah. people are wanting to do this. It feels like that's what's going on out there more than anything yep. is if you, if you want to change people's minds, get at them with their, with their stomachs, you know, and, yep. and not just flavor wise. And it's also just an immediacy for their children and, and everything, you know, do you have, yeah, do you guys have children? No. Oh, okay. So it's just the two of you. Yeah. Man, you guys have yeah. so much time to work on the farm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this year is the first. We've hired an indentured servant, our five-year-old. Yeah. He, right. He's now becoming right. yeah. a farmer himself, too. So that's good. Yeah. And that is really the how you close the loop. Yeah. Is man. That you raise some boys on the farm and they learn everything and eventually they take over. And unfortunately for Bob, he had. To, no sons mm. he just had two beautiful daughters so you know in in some ways i'm the son he never had and and so that's really been good for that's us you know man. and who knows um, maybe you guys will give your beautiful farm someday to some other you know young farmers looking to get into it you know that would right. be the goal that would be the <laughs> ultimate goal would be to to have somebody sort of continue on that's legacy work that we're talking about and you know this year is the first year that we have an employee we've had a a former customer or she's still a customer and she's a friend and she wanted to come work uh, at the farm with us and so this year is going to be the first time that she's full-time that's great so So, learn a lot yeah and so the picture here that is shown i wanted to show this because it's uh this is really how we grow. This is uh, Elliot Coleman. If you've ever heard of him, he's really where this whole ergonomic system comes from, where they, we grow things to suit the human body. So, you know, tools are created to be able to furrow like this. I wish I had a picture of the actual uh, tool that we use, but it's basically just a rake that I, I built out of wood and it's got seven points on it and we just drag it through the soil and those are our furrows. So we seed in there, whatever we're going to do. Usually that's going to be carrot or it can be many things actually. Um, and so they're 50 foot beds and they're generally, they're going to be 30 inches wide so that you don't, you can still straddle them and uh, it, or you can go down one side and back up the other in a straddle mm-hmm. or in a, 
what's the term squat in a squatting over it (laughs) yep and so those are both really uh comfortable places for your body to be in and so you know i'd be remiss to not mention elliot coleman this is really the guy that started it all him and his wife and then this is where Curtis Stone and and J.M. Fortier they all base their their growing in the same fact in the same way that Elliot Coleman did. And so you know we've just I mean we have all of their books and we learned over time on how to do these things and experience and and um, it was important for me especially because I was going through some physical issues on my body and as a red seal carpenter i was i was having difficulty staying healthy for longer than three months four months before i would slip a disc or something would happen with my back and so every time after a while every time i put my tool belt on uh it would be 15 minutes and i could not work anymore so this provided me the ability to not have that belt on to work in an ergonomical sort of fashion friendly to my body and if i was feeling like uh, i needed a break i could do that whereas you know on a job site they're not going to generally look well upon somebody that just needs to take a break every 15 minutes so that was actually a, a big catalyst too was just my physical issues that i was having years ago still am now but we're working through them we found some ways to to help along, you know, through Pilates and stretching and breathing and techniques that we learned from the farmers too. Mm. So, well, that's great. I mean, you know, people that are used to working with their natural environments, they're working with their natural bodies too, to heal themselves yeah. as it should be. This you is great. I'm, gonna, picture, I'm curious if my wife's heard of these authors as well, these farmers, because um, she, she wants to do this on our future dream property as well. Right. Because we have four foot by eight foot beds right now. They, they're a little bit wider than four feet. They, I think they might be closer to five. So it's difficult because we've filled those four beds on our little property as much as we can, yeah. you know. Right. And it's, yeah, it's a ton of work. It's a, it's a huge strain on the human body regardless. So mm-hmm. to make it as easy as possible is probably the yes. friendliest way to do this. This is and very key. You That's, motivated very to key. doing it, you know. I mean. Yeah. I'm a procrastinator and I need to stay motivated and you know, something more ergonomic like this is I can't wait to have my hands on property where we can just design it ourselves like that, Mm -hmm. you know, and take all the space we need. Yeah. So are you able to share Megan? Are you, are you able to go to the next picture? Yeah. Let's see if we, can you see that? It's still the um, rose with the furrows. Oh my goodness. Uh oh. Internet weirdness, maybe. If you're having issues, I do have a slideshow here on my file too, but. um, I'm just going to open it up again to see. Yeah, see what happens. Yeah, Yeah, you got to see the. You got to see the harvest box. Yeah. And we want to talk about that because of the three seasons. Mm -hmm. Because there are really three seasons to the harvest box. There's the early season. So we do a 20 week program and generally that's about what is done out there. Some, some will do a little less, maybe an 18 week and some will actually do a 22 week, 
but you know our growing season here in Canada you're not going to get much longer than that so mm -hmm. are you are you still looking at your file folder Megan no I've got um it open yeah so click on a food box photo let's see if it's working for the listeners you should go watch this <laughs> yeah it's very visual right yeah yeah what can you see i can't I saying see that and i know i just see your file folder it's the nsa they don't want this out there well it's a very important for us to have those pictures <laughs> yeah i totally agree but um yeah so we can hold off for, for the moment there's there's really three parts to the season and that's week one to four or five and then you know that's really when the summer kicks in and we'll have over 30 different items to provide into the food box uh, we do a limit up to the, the cost of it, and then we sell everything as extras when the customer shows up or when we do our Tuesday deliveries because we do a Saturday at the farm. And this is really what we encourage everybody to do is to come to the farm because how many people have a relationship with the people that grow their food? Exactly. And they Very always say to go new. meet your butcher. <laughs> like, right. You get to know your farmers too, you know? Yes. And so that, that's been important for us too. You talk about, you know, food being an important thing. You know, this was one of the early thoughts that I had was to be able to talk to people about our political, current political environment. It would have been, it would be best on a full stomach. So this yeah, is right. really the, the concept that I had. Let's, let's, let's have some food together and sit and and talk about things this is really where i think that a lot of the conversations should still be being had you know we're being pushed sort of not to talk to our crazy uncles at dinner time at thanksgiving but this is really a hundred years ago this is really where a lot of things was ironed out through the family it was around the dinner table and and there is no better place as far as i'm concerned than as you know breaking bread enjoying food you know made by your your mom or your parents or yourself or the whole team and then sitting down and enjoying that and then talking about the important things that happened that day and maybe life lessons that are learned and, mm -hmm. uh, talking about your failures through the day because those things happen too so i see arugula there yes so can we get a picture of the the harvest box uh yeah i can see what i can do here you might just be able to go back but <laughs> the dog's getting in the way now <laughs> technical difficulties uh, that's all right though i mean i i think it's also kind of cool that the man that's writing the articles and talking about these extremely delicate topics you know when you look into this guy oh shit okay so he's a farmer he's growing his own food and he's providing for his community interesting mm -hmm. He's not just some yeah. weird guy in his basement yelling about the government. Like he's yes. put his money where his mouth is and he's showing right. how we solve this, which really yeah. when it comes down to it, we could say it in a million ways, but it's, it's more self-sufficiency. Yeah. And being local and growing and, you know, um, being 
community minded. I mean, we we've grown some great relationships here with providers of honey and yeah, I saw that they are neighbors that we were, we've purchased the eggs. You see the eggs, there's our, mm-hmm. our harvest box. And that looks like mid season sort of early, probably week four or five, because we got yeah. some raspberries in there. Now raspberries are an early season fruit. Yeah. And so this looks beautiful. The eggs are provided to us from uh, the family. It's just down the road. It's on the way to the farm. So they actually deliver, but we could pick up along the way. But you can see what we grow. Those are Nance carrots. We like just having the traditional looking straight carrot. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bob and Janet actually are to- expert tomato growers. Phenomenal. And this is really what people were coming to the farm for. Our first year there, we weren't even dealing with the kiosk. We hadn't been invited to sell our product there. We didn't know that we were allowed to do that until the second year when Bob asked us if we wanted to. Yeah. And so what we noticed was that everybody was coming for the tomatoes. And so they, after 30 years, they found the right seed. So they do a beefsteak tomato. Uh, it's called the big beef for everybody out there. I'm sure that those seeds are all over the place. And then uh, a pe- picus Roma. Roma, yes. And they're amazing because you cut them open and they're not hollow at all. They're full of meat and they taste incredible. Like I've never really been a fan of tomatoes until I, I came to the farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can eat those like a tomato or like a, like an apple. Yeah, really. dude. Likewise, before I grew my own tomatoes, I did. I never really cared for them at all. I love tomato sauce, but that was it. Growing your own yeah. is a different world. And that's happened so many times, so many people like um, children, like friends of my son have come, had something that my wife and I had grown and changed their whole perspective on that, that vegetable, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, that's how easy it is. It's unreal. Yeah. And so that has been uh, bar none for every single product that we sell. We've had more than one person say that's the best tasting blank I've ever had, whether it's a carrot or a beet or a tomato Mm -hmm. or our salad greens. This is one of those things. I think that, you know, just like good information, it's been somewhat kept from people. And, you know, it's a real eye opening experience to taste some of these things for the first time. Yeah. So even fresh eggs. What a difference. Totally. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I love that we're highlighting something else that in your food box is not only what, like, it's not just your vegetables. It's also part of the community in there, too. You know, it's, yeah. it's already that it, it takes a village, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This looks and, amazing. Well, we went from the just just purchasing eggs from them and we were selling them at no profit. Just we looked at it, Andy, as added value because we don't we didn't have the chickens you'd need a lot of chickens to provide enough eggs and so we outsourced incredible family and now we sell their honey there's two or three different types or four different types of honeys that they provide an amazing cream honey have you ever seen that before it's like all white but i saw a a picture of it on the hell's half acre site and i was like wow that that's some raw honey (laughs) 
<laughs> it's incredible. I have it on my toast every morning. And I think this is another important thing. Maybe Megan, you can talk about your allergies and, and please do how they kind of got fixed too. Yeah. Yeah. I suffer from seasonal allergies, uh, you know, May, June sort of thing, runny nose, watery eyes, thick feeling, you know, swollen eyes, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'd read years ago that, uh, one thing you can do is take local honey. And so I started doing that probably I started in January and I take about, you know, half a teaspoon a day and it has to be local. Like it has to be somewhere close by. It doesn't have to be as local as our honey is, but for mm -hmm. us, if I can get it somewhere in the Okanagan Valley, uh, because those bees will be going to the like you'll, the pollen that I'm allergic to those bees are making the honey from that pollen so it is phenomenal uh I don't suffer from allergies at all anymore that's amazing yeah my yeah. wife has turned on to this natural remedy thing for a couple of years now and you know I'm sick but I'm nowhere near as sick as I would have been because right. of all the uh, I can't even remember. She's going to kill me. I don't remember any of their names, but <laughs> <laughs> little, little tinctures and remedies that come mm -hmm. right up out of the ground, you know, but of course we yeah. don't have the local farm to do it yet. You know, we're not, so yeah. it's really inspiring to be able to get everything locally like that. Cause it really does seem to play a big role. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Definitely was like overnight for Megan and her allergies. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And now they actually, their bees they have hives set up right across the street just because it was an optimum spot for bees i had no idea that they're supposed to be sort of southeastern facing and away from the wind i mean it all makes sense because they're bees but uh right across the street now they have a bunch of hives and as soon as it gets warm enough man we have a billion bees around us no matter where you are at the farm you have to sort of fight the bees off to get and harvest whatever it is that you're going after. It's just mm. the most incredible thing. That's so wild. And they're your friends. Like if you don't bother yep. them, they're not going to bother you and they're That's helping exactly. your garden every step of the way. Yep. Yeah. It's such yep. an, man just like it's just another little example of something that's kind of been inverted in our eyes and from our yeah. cartoons and everything. Yep. Just fear the bee. Yeah. To be yeah. fearful like of bees. I never got stung once last year. I did get stung Me? twice, but yeah. I was putting my hand, like I was picking pickling cukes and you kind of go where the blossoms are. And so I put my hand on a bee. I mean, I don't, wouldn't blame the bee at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's always happy accidents like that. Totally. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, so you, you can guys... keep those, sorry, Megan, oh, if you can say... keep those pictures just flowing. Yeah. Sorry, Andy, guys... go ahead said that you fed over a hundred families last year right this year coming like this up year is coming up goal. Is yeah we did 54 we've doubled every year right so we're looking at uh over a hundred and we were just calculating sort of the land the last week or so just looking over how many beds we have we could probably go to 150 pretty quick now when you start talking about 150 and 200 families those are huge food boxes so yeah. that's our goal we're looking at I've, we've never discussed anything beyond 200 but that's that is the goal is to get yeah. to feed 200 families you think about that and you know our targeted demographic would be you know a family of four two growing boys 
generally we hope that they're in hockey or in sports and so they got to eat lots and mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> that's not just a hundred people of if when you're feeding a hundred families that's you know 300 400 people yeah, and that's generally those people around us and and the ones that we love and care for the most our friends and and family so yeah. you know it's really been great this will be a mid, this is a late season box. You can see the yeah, be- uh, melon in there. So we do grow some fruit. Cool. That's awesome. And I wasn't happy with those carrots this year. They were stubby, funny looking ones. So we went back to the <laughs> the longer gnats this year. Oh man, you know that's the carrots were the weirdest thing for me because I was like, what? Ah, they're all failures. And my wife's like, no, they're not giant GMO from the grocery store. I'm like, oh. Exactly. Yeah, okay. It's, yep. It's that no, actually helps us. So different from what it is in the grocery job, store. Broccoli's different. Yeah. 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 And that actually helps us too. You know, sometimes we'll include the deformed stuff because, you know, you know, it's it adds to the credibility and you know, we're not about making everything beautiful. Right. Although, you know, nature does a great job of that itself, but sometimes you have some ab- abnormalities and as long as, you know, it's just aesthetics, we don't mind. We'll throw those in there. Perfect. We grow a variety of hot peppers. Uh, jalapenos are our most popular. We put a lot of them in our food box. One of the things we make in our food box, I don't have a picture of it, that's proved to be really popular, is a salsa pack. So... We include uh, jalapeno pepper, uh, sweet onion, um, Roma tomatoes, a tomatillo, which I don't know a lot of your oh, if yeah. your listeners are familiar with tomatillos, but we do that. And we send instructions just to kind of chop them up really fine, kind of blend, almost blend them up and super popular. It's been one of our actually most popular things in our food box. So yeah. we do tons of jalapenos for that. Uh, we do sell the salsa pack at the farm as well. We have one customer that will come and buy five or six at a time. And she <laughs> will take them and drop them off at her friend's house. Like drop them off at their front step and just say, here's a gift. So, which <laughs> is really awesome. quite cool. So hot peppers. Um, another thing we did this year, here's a variety of hot peppers that we do. Uh, last year, uh, we had a customer from Salmon Arm named Nick. He came and bought a whole bunch of peppers and he made hot sauce out of our peppers so he makes hot sauce he has a business so he actually supplies the farm now with his hot sauce which is made from our peppers so we have a bunch of that for sale as well which is really cool that's awesome talk about closing the loop too that's great yeah Yeah, any opportunities that we can add value like that we're like we're not making any money off of that but i think you know to to be more of a one-stop shop for people and you know, to show up and, and buy other things that maybe they weren't expecting. And I think that that was a really great relationship. We're hoping that it continues this year and, you know, keep providing hot sauces with our veggies in there. I mean, it's, it's really an incredible thing. And also uh, the reason and where we got the idea for the salsa pack was from the, it's a Facebook page. And if, yeah. you, if you're not familiar, I suggest you go out and find it, Andy. It's the Market Gardener's Success Group. Okay. And we okay. swear by this. I don't know. How many people are on there, Megan? I have no idea, actually. Hundreds, eh? 
great. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thousands for sure. Thousands of farmers, market gardeners that have all, when you think of all the trial and error and the experience that's on that Facebook page, whenever we've had something that we weren't sure what, what it was that we were looking at, we would just post it on there. And within minutes, we would have hundreds of people telling us what is going on and best ways to remedy. Uh, or a lot of times they'd say there's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. keep, just keep doing it because there's times where, you know, we weren't sure. It's just like when we started our microgreens this year, I threw out the first batch because I thought they were all, uh, they were getting uh, moldy, but it, it was actually just the way that microgreens grow at first with their root system. They get into the soil. So I actually threw out the first four thinking that oh, we, we weren't, we didn't know what we were doing. And then the second time it happened again and we looked into it through the uh, Facebook market gardener success group. And they were like, no, 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 that's, those are fine. Just put them under light and let them grow. So Mm. sometimes it's a lot easier than you think too. Do you guys do a lot of indoor lighting, gardening prep beforehand? Like you did the microgreens off season. That's a lot of lighting. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm in the same bow right now. I have a lot of indoor growing things going on and managing the light sources and everything is is a whole thing. It's like a learning curve that I have, I'm just getting into right now, really. Mm-hmm. And I keep getting bigger and better lights as time goes on because it's just like, none of it's like as much as I think it's going to be, you know, to, to yeah. cover everything. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we use a, a rack system. I think you can get them from home Depot. They're, you know, the silver sort of generic ones that you can put together yourself. And then we use sun blaster uh, lights. They're 54 watt. They're low energy, but uh, I think they might even be local or Canadian at least. But um, cool. yeah. And so we use sun blasters and we've probably got, I don't know, 30 or 40 of those lights now. And we started with two because wow. they were 50 bucks a, a shot. We were luckily enough. One of our local providers here, had a sale on them. So we were getting four foot sun blasters for $30 each. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so we jumped on that, grabbed 10 of them. And now we've got four full racks basically. Yeah. And then uh, boxes with lights in them too. And so it's about your lumens. Mm-hmm. I think they're 6,400 K and they've just been great. We can, we can, uh, we can interchange the bulbs because there's the ones that we use generally are like more of a blue light. But mm-hmm. once we see things sprout and come out of the ground, we can change to a, a bloom light, which is a little more orange or redder. And we yeah. see advantages there too. Even when, you know, we are growing our tomatoes in the tomato house, in the heated tomato house. So it's really a, a hot house sometimes because the sun is so low early in the year some of them in the the tomatoes in the back won't grow as fast and it becomes noticeable after about three weeks or a month so we actually just took some sun blaster they're they're like this thin and they're four feet three feet or or two feet and and the bulb is a real thin uh diameter and we just hook them up with the tomatoes and put them on a regular time pattern with the sun and within two weeks or three weeks maybe they were all starting to even out again so you know yeah lighting is huge we're 
in the middle of, I think all of our racks are full. I just commented this this morning when we were there is we've got four racks, four shelves on each. And so you can fit four trays on each and we are maxed out right now. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> and you have to prep that much. Yeah. Yeah. This is just yeah. a picture of kale. We, uh, kale can be a bit of an unpopular vegetable, but uh, we grow a variety called red Russian kale. And okay. it's a sweet, crunchy uh, kale with really, really great flavor. So it's actually quite popular. We have I'll people... look that up because I agree. Yeah. We've, we've had trouble trying to enjoy the kale we've grown. <laughs> we've grown two or three different kinds, and I was okay with it. My wife didn't like it. But we yeah, wanted so... more. We know it's a superfood, so... It is. <laughs> and you were talking earlier, Andy, about how uh, definitions of vegetables get changed by people when they taste them mm -hmm. this is happening all the time and red russian kale is one of those yeah oh, you know you say to you say to somebody here have some kale and they, and they give you that face like mm, kale. Yeah, i don't really bitter. but it's it's baby kale so it's smaller it's not the giant leaf mm -hmm. and yeah. you can actually use it in place of romaine lettuce you know uh or you can add it in to your salad or you can just eat it plain lots of people will just eat it plain right out of the bag so i would say look into that red russian kale and we got that from curtis stone he yeah. was growing a lot of that and it's and it's cut and come again so you can you can harvest a bunch and in a week it grows back goes right so that's important right yeah. yeah yeah that's the most amazing part where you can literally go outside and get your salad for the next few days yeah, you know, yeah. and then go yeah. back outside and do it again <laughs> This is a picture of um, their lacewing eggs. So it's a ben it would be a beneficial insect that actually eats other like bad guys like aphids. Oh. And I think it eats all sorts of stuff. But one thing we really noticed, yeah, one thing we've really noticed a big change in our farm is, and this is due to Bob's uh, instruction as well, is for any sort of pests we don't spray or anything. We we're we, we're no chemicals, but what we've been doing is um buying beneficials. So like beneficial insects to all Megan. Megan's yeah, to fight all. other insects. So we go uh have a company down in I think it's down in Langley down the lower mainland of BC and we get they've shipped I do two to three shipments a year. And we get, it's called Incarcia formosa, and it's uh, beneficial. It's a wasp. It's a predator wasp. Tiny, so, tiny, tiny little wasp. Teeny, oh. tiny. Yeah. And so we get them, and they will go, uh, they will fight against the white fly, which is a very common greenhouse pest oh. that can be in your, uh, it's usually tomatoes and peppers. You don't really find them outside, but greenhouses really fight with them. Uh, we get those guys. We get... Um, guys little aphidites they're called they uh get the aphids because sometimes again in greenhouses you can have uh trouble with pests so they tell have them how they beat them tell them how they conquer also they uh lay their eggs inside the the pest and mm. then basically kill them from the inside <laughs> So, so it's like xenomorphs from Alien, basically. Totally, yeah. Totally, yeah. As a farmer, you couldn't ask for a, a more efficient, better employee than right. that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the thing with the aphids and whiteflies are that they do cost you in the end. Like at first, they're they're kind of harmless, yeah. but if you let them go long enough, they will 
they will really put you behind the eight ball. So two years ago, we had aphid and whitefly for the first time in the greenhouse. This time of year, we had them. Yeah. So it was kind of trouble. And Megan went and found out these beneficials, ordered them, got them in. We released them all. Well, it takes like a couple of days before you can release them because they got a hatch or whatever the process is. Yeah. And then it took uh, about three weeks and we were super patient. This is one of the things that really taught us some patience as farmers is that you release them, but you don't see really any uh, anything happen for the first few days. But then I started seeing whitefly and aphid dead bodies. And so you could start to see the tables turning. Mm -hmm. And then another week and a half, 10 days or so, it was obvious that the beneficials had won and the, the white flies and, and aphid were on the way out. And by the end of the year, we had no problems. That's incredible. Just using nature more to our yeah. advantage. Totally. And I, and I think the cost was, a, you know, a couple, three, four hundred bucks. But when yeah. you think about having to pay an employee to try to keep your pest pressure down and how much money that would cost. So this is one of the things that we really learned is, you know, these beneficials and there's other techniques that you know you can have as employees mm. so like sacrificial gardens right yeah Do you guys yeah. ever yeah. use any of those techniques like we don't really we don't like i've heard of that of uh like planting eggplant and stuff like that because mm. some a pest might like the eggplant before he'll, they'll like your tomatoes we don't really we haven't really done that that's cool that's cool yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah. we've tried we're gonna try that more this year i think but yeah. we had we had a squash vine borer problem. Ooh, oh, yeah. Those are an interesting nightmare to deal with because when you see their eggs, they're all in perfect formation, like right. an army on the leaf. Yeah. And then suddenly that's it's too late. It's nuts. So I was out there. My hat, my wife had me out there lifting every single leaf up looking <laughs> right. for them. It's unreal. I mean, yeah. that's the thing that I can see. It's so easy to see like, how laziness and convenience not just here but specifically here has has uh kind of invaded our perspective on growing food and mm -hmm. the it, that's part of that fear that comes with it you know like oh there's so much to deal with there's so much to learn it's all uphill and it really mm -hmm. is i can say that it really is an uphill situation but i think the return is very quickly understood and it's yeah. such a return. It feels like free energy. Yeah. And, you know, when you figure out that beneficials can do what they do and they can really eliminate pest pressure, mm -hmm. then, you know, all of a sudden things are a lot easier to deal with because you figured out a way to handle it. And so that's really what confidence comes from, being able to handle whatever comes your way. And so this this year, on top of our first employee and going over a hundred member food box and incorporating microgreens and all of these positive things that are going on. That is, you know, another exciting element too, is that we really feel for this, maybe for the first time, we feel like real farmers. That's gotta be a great feeling. Yeah. Because, you know, the first four years you talk about laziness or things, you know, excuses get in the way the first couple of years that we would go home we would be driving past all of these other farms 
and the farmers would still be out there working. Right. <laughs> so we were like, oh, we're probably cutting corners. We're not giving as much as we should. And so last year was, and the year before, really, we really committed and we ended up doing 16-hour days, 18-hour days. Wow. Not consistently, but when it needed to happen, right? right? When you need to get everything in before May 24th and there's only two of you, you have to commit. Yeah. Yeah. What an incredible feeling we had cracking that beer after we got everything in. You know, oh, yeah. I look at D Block and the 900 tomato plants that we put in there as our little New World Order army. That's and amazing. so we have those guys growing and all of our fruit and veg is growing while we even sleep. So this was another part of it for me too, is that, you know, this, this new ordering of our society, we fight against it in our sleep. Damn so, right. That's great, man. <laughs> there's a great shot of Megan. This is in the tomato house. You can see that the tomatoes are well along. They're taller than her. So this is probably in June or July. And we got pepper peppers in the solo cups about to be transplanted. And, you know, so there's a lot of watering there mm -hmm. to be had. So we just, you know, the, these actually these cup trays are important to talk about uh, because you can transport 36 of those solo cups all at once. It's got little hand grips and this is Bob Tucker's invention. And we've taken it and run with it this year again. We've made some shorter ones that are 24. So they're a little easier to handle and go through doors and stuff. But man, this, that right there, the 36 solo cup holder. Game changer. And yeah. And there's probably, he's probably got 40 or 50 of them and they stack up at the end of the year. And then yeah. as you need them, you get them. And it's just a incredible time savers. This Bob is a old engineer, uh, heavy duty mechanic and so with all of that came some really ingenious uh ways of dealing with things and so you know when we go out under our own spot like you're talking about andy being able to really uh expand your imagination to whatever you want this is we're going to be incorporating a lot of the ideas that that uh we see here at bob's he uses pulleys and levers all over the place to open multiple vents and doors all at the same time and it took us literally three years to figure out what was going on you know <laughs> that's, just... that's so awesome too that like you know through the experience of the trials and tribulations you do you like you don't cut corners you create shortcuts and create helpful assistance like that you know yeah where that's it's just great. one push of a button yeah. Right, and you open all the vents because it's a hundred degrees in the in the greenhouse, and we need it to drop down to eighty real quick because it gets hot here. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a push of the button, thanks to Bob, and he's set up all of these mechanisms, and all of a sudden, all the vents open, and within five minutes, you're back down to eighty degrees because you don't really have time to deal with that. You're in the middle of three other things, right? right. It's it's really been a, a nice thing to be able to just push a button and make things happen so all of this infrastructure you see was already built when we showed up we've we've you know i've spent ample time uh refurbishing fixing up stuff that has to be done but generally you know it's all been or was already there and bob built all of this mm, it really seems so this is in the this is in the 40 by 100 foot hoop house yeah that's awesome 
That's so awesome. No farms, no food, no future. That's right. That's Megan's. Megan brought that too. Yeah. I'm not sure where you got that from, but as soon as I heard it, I said, that's got to go on. (laughs) (laughs) So for our little uh, store that we have at the farm, we have, this is the sign out on the road. So we have, you know, the name or the time hours that we're open and just what we have available at the time, which is people know to look at that. We have a big sign down on the road that again has what's available. So people know on the main to, road. Yeah, on the main road to people know to pull in if they see what they want. That's great. Yeah, that was all there. Bob built that. It was all out of his mind. We, we better get signs down onto the main road as people drive by so they know when the tomatoes are ready or the raspberries are ready. And then he has the local sign right at the entry. And depending because, you know, like cucumbers are a great example, you'll get, you know, the first cucumber of the year and and it'll be a slow go. You might get five, six a week, but, you know, two, three weeks later, you're getting 15 a day. And so the first um, the first few cucumbers that come up they just go on to the local sign so they're if the neighbors want some or somebody living up in that area they know to come there but until we have 20 or 30 in the kiosk we don't put it down on the main road because then people tend to come up and and get them and so yeah that's excellent so just the picture we do uh these are called patty pan squash i don't know if you've ever heard of them Uh, they're they're really quite fun they're like a zucchini Uh, Really popular for just roasting. Um, Any some people just roast. Yeah, um, our employee Carrie, she says she stuffs them, so she kind of hollows them out and stuffs them. She loves them that way. So just something different. Yeah, I think you could cut them in half and put them in some tin foil with some butter and throw them on the barbecue for you know five minutes. They're just amazing. Nice. Uh, I love the picture sign. of pickling cukes. We do a big, big uh, sale. We do big, big sales of pickling cukes. Uh, Bob and Janet have done them for a number of years, and for us, we just kind of continued on with them. We do our own pickling as well, but uh, we every year I think we grow a few more pickling cukes. And last year we couldn't even keep up. We had mm-hmm. orders after orders. We get people will order like twenty pounds. People will order. 40 pounds wow. so we have yeah we have a calendar it's our same as our tomato sales as we have big big tomato sales of canning tomatoes people make salsa that sort of mm. stuff so the pickling cukes we barely kept up last year it was they're really really popular yeah so, and so you're seeing there one of those bags is seven pounds and that'll be a batch so if you're wow. working the typical big black pot and you got your seven jars in there and you're getting it to boil one of those bags will do one batch so we just sort of cater to the pickling cute community there and yeah it's grown every year because uh, our political situation our political environment is inspiring people to to prepare a little bit more maybe than they used to and and uh, pickling cukes is a great thing to you know we probably do Generally, we'll have 75 to 100 jars of our own to start the winter. Yeah. Wow. That's great. And we yeah, just people. Cons- Sorry, go ahead, Andy. Oh, just, I mean, people are definitely wanting to prepare more than ever these days. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Up your way with your prime minister, I can only imagine it's pretty, uh, 
hasty to want to get your your farms going and your food going yeah. and, and your that self sustainability I was talking about because yeah he doesn't say anything that inspires hope really <laughs> no no he so, has different interests obviously than us absolutely and so you know we're just uh, we're just farmers over here and we're providing food for people <laughs> and a place for our dog that's our potato <laughs> patch oh it's gotten bigger that's yeah. a healthy <laughs> potato patch yes it is that's beautiful yeah. we uh we've got we got everything getting uh started right now we're, we're well it's already been getting started they're all sprouting up out of the out of the dirt in nice. their little cups and everything and we're uh oh it's another year coming we'll see what's going on we're trying to move too we're trying to find a new place to live to get more land right so oh, yeah. my wife is so worried that we're gonna find something after she's already grown this next year's crop and and feel like right. so guilty that she has to leave it behind or something i'm like we won't leave it behind or if we do we're leaving it hopefully to the next people that will be coming in and mm -hmm. maybe that'll inspire them to keep it going because the last thing she wants is for someone to tear it down you know yeah <laughs> after you've yeah. worked so hard on it yeah that happened to us when we sold our house too the, one of the first years it was actually before we started a farm but yeah we sold the house and we had to leave a garden behind yeah oh, man. it's gonna be <laughs> for sure but it was yeah <laughs> i saw this when I, I was just seeing this the natural the environment friendly pest insect control that's pretty cool yeah yeah it's something we uh did last year for the first time and we'll continue on for sure but um yeah we brought bought these praying mantis now success because when we were taking down the potato patch at the end of the year with Carrie, uh, Dwayne and Carrie, between the two guys, how many did you, uh, praying mantis egg sacs did you find? Three or four? Uh, yeah, I would say three or four. I found two. And so those, that's what those are there that you can buy them like that. And you, you just hang them about a foot above the ground somewhere in the shade and you give them time and the uh, praying mantises are released and by the end of the year if you find more then that means that those praying mantises actually are found success so this yeah. is another thing that we look forward to this year is hopefully yeah. we see a lot more praying mantises now these guys will eat anything so th this and this is a minimal cost and i encourage everybody to because this is what what allows us to not spray okay not to use any chemicals because these guys so this is your hitman yeah he's like the greatest employee you could ever see coolest yeah. looking dude ever too totally and uh, uh bob had one on his chest pocket last year you didn't know it but he was just sitting there and it's actually one of those moments that i'll always remember bob realizing that it was on him he didn't panic or anything because he'd seen them before and he just took it off his chest pocket and hung it in a tree and you know <laughs> i don't know how many of those we have around there but That's hopefully funny. this year we get to see a few hundred that would be nice yeah because those ones that you guys found you guys put them into uh the hedgerow there so what these guys need to basically go through a winter to freeze in order to come back again so once it starts warming up i think they take a consistent like between 10 and 13 degrees that's celsius of course um for them to hatch so obviously we have a ways to go here but mm -hmm. then the egg sacs will hatch and we'll have lots of babies wow. yeah 
and to me, there's nothing about these guys that they could be like a natural pest pest insect. They're they're they just eat like crazy. They will they will you know if you're suffering under a little bit of bug pressure and one of these guys comes along, it really doesn't matter what kind of bug it is. He will feast or she will feast. Yeah, I highly recommend looking into beneficials for anybody that wants to grow food seriously or just even for themselves. And, you know, you want to get it to your plate. Mm. Hire a praying mantis. Yeah, (laughs) I like how you put it. So uh, a couple pictures of radishes, just couple i've got a few kind of harvest pictures so one of our really popular early season root veggies is radishes uh we do red radish we do uh uh, rainbow radish i'm not sure if i have a picture Mm, uh no but um so a multicolored radish multicolored radish yeah they're white pink uh dark red um but they're really popular they've got that spice to them they're really really Mm. popular in our food box and a lot of people come up to the farm so those are the reddest radishes, Those the reddest really red, red radishes I've ever seen, <laughs> even just from my screen. <laughs> so we do a, a rainbow blend of carrots as well. We don't nice. kind of grow them together in the same bed, but we do orange. We do a red that's actually called Malbec, like mm-hmm. the wine. <clears throat> and we do a white carrot as well. So funny story about the white carrots. The first year mm-hmm. we grew them, they grow way faster than the orange carrots do. So we know now to plant them a little, if we want to make a mix, like I've got right here, we know we have to plant them a little bit later, like maybe a couple of weeks. But the first year we grew them, they grew so big. We had huge carrots, these big, white, ugly carrots. Like we thought they were ugly. So we threw a bunch of them away, put them in the compost. We were like, these things are great. They look bad. Even Bob made fun of them. He was like, what are these big, ugly, white things? And we were like, oh, I don't know. It's our carrots. So we tossed a bunch of them. Then we actually cut a few open and tasted them. They were delicious. Oh, wow. And so, I actually didn't know that they were carrots. I thought they were turnip or something at first. Parsnips. They look like parsnips. parsnips. Yeah. Yeah. But they're really, really good. They have such a great, sweet uh, flavor. So now we just know we just plant them a couple weeks behind. And I think each one of these different carrots has different nutrient benefits different uh benefits to the body and stuff like that i know my wife was growing the uh the dark purple ones or the red ones on on purpose for something i can't remember hmm. what but that's yeah. good to know Pretty cool. we just do it basically for aesthetic value we like the look of a rainbow carrot in the bag rather than just orange but we will provide just orange carrots too and yeah. we get we get requests for just white ones yeah give me them alien fingers yeah <laughs> big ugly white things <laughs> that was actually the first thing that we ever sold through the kiosk was the big ugly carrots and they that's sold awesome. like crazy that's yeah. awesome <laughs> so that's a picture of our raspberries at the kiosk that's yeah. where everybody comes to purchase things beautiful <laughs> what's that the dog these uh on? kind of waterproof um seeding boxes to keep all of our seeds in we oh, have cool. uh like a spice container and then we keep them in these boxes just in case the box happens to get wet or anything. It, they're waterproof. So that's we keep our seeds in. And then obviously Ripley decides it's a uh, dog bed as well. Well, everything starts with your seeds. So, yeah. you know, that's actually, I think it's a, it's a gun kit or a tool kit that we just 
made into a seed container like that. Now we have three or four of them. And, you know, if you lose your seeds, you're in trouble. So we do as much as we can to keep them safe and secure. And so do you, ah, man, I'm not as good as my wife, so I don't know all the ins and outs, but like you have to basically sacrifice certain, certain plants to get the seeds or, or do you, can you get all the veggies and fruits out of, I don't know. That's kind of a dumb question <laughs> because we're still stuck in that, that situation where we're buying a lot of seeds. So I'm just still trying to understand the process. And at your, your stage, you guys are just reseeding everything, which is great. Well, we, we purchase every year uh, to do what you're talking about to actually, um, you know, harvest your own seeds at the end of the year. We have done that and we have seeded them and to a varying degrees of success, but uh, you have to get another level serious if you want to do that kind of thing, because you have to isolate whatever it is that you want to have go to seed and then harvest those seeds. Generally you have to isolate those things because there can be cross pollination and all kinds of issues. And you know, that it's a, finicky situation but that is definitely a goal of ours is to be able to have our own seeds this is one of the goals of ours is really to be self-sustainable and you know you can't be self-sustainable if you're purchasing your seeds every year but right now that's what we do okay okay i wasn't sure i assumed that you guys are getting all your own seeds but that makes me feel better you guys even where you're at you're still in that same boat and i and like you said you know you mentioned legacy earlier Mm -hmm. seeds is Mm -hmm. legacy in my opinion like yes especially with all the fear porn out there of what they might do to seeds yes you know you know selling it as like a positive seeing articles come out like hey you can get mrna in your seeds like and it'll be right in your gardens and you won't even have to worry about getting your shots and it's just like okay we need to really think about how we're getting our hands on as many heirloom seeds as humanly possible yeah Yeah. my wife's like i'm already on it blah 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 blah. she's listing off all these things i'm like okay yeah Yeah. gotta get on this generally seeds have a shelf life too you can't just keep them forever and, you know, after two or three years, generally, most seeds are, are going to have difficulty germinating. So we generally purchase every year. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we would love to be able to to create our own seeds, to be fully self-sustainable is the goal here. Yeah, because we're talking about, where you know, in our last conversation, Dwayne and I had, we were talking a lot about groups of people that, you know, have ownership over many, many interesting seed banks around the world that yeah. aren't, you know, we're not privy to. So if you want to know what's important to these people, it's, you know, they know it too. They're onto the and same not, And not only just the seeds, but the land in general is being yeah. purchased up by some people that, you know, don't have any interest at all in farming. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's actually another... Yeah, and that's another advantage too that we have in leasing land and and other people. The opportunity is there too because you may not own land, but you know if you're leasing it and you're managing it, you may have some say in in where that land gets sold to eventually too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's very true. It's very true. So just a couple <laughs> pictures of Ripley on the farm. Here's our little uh, helper. 
<laughs> She's awesome. That's her first, yeah, her first year. Yeah. I still have that. Yeah. All chewed. So this is our salad green mix. Um, we, for a number of years, have used a salad green mix called Fast and Furious. So, so named because it grows quickly. Um, and it's a salad blend. So it has a, it, historically it has had two different types of green leaf and two different types of red leaf lettuce. And we um, take the leaves off. We harvest the leaves. We don't cut the whole head off. Um, it was tough to find for a couple of years. So we did do some seed saving. Nice. Um, yeah. You should mention it. So we did a little bit of seed saving from those. Uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't find the seeds were as good as the parents. Um, yeah. But it's now available again. So I bought right. quite a bit. So this is what the salad mix looks like. This is what we sell to the Bohemian Cafe um, for like make a lot of meals out of it but they do use it a ton for their catering i know that as well uh when remember Dwayne, we did a few years ago we sold them a lot for an event they were doing and mm -hmm. they went and they picked out because mm -hmm. the bride and groom didn't want any purple lettuce in their mix mm -hmm. so they went and picked out every piece of purple lettuce now had the bohemian i think known before we could have probably given them because we harvest them we could have probably given them greens with just green <laughs> yeah they were using our salad greens to cater weddings That's now that awesome, was man. that was a really cool experience you know to hear that yeah mm -hmm. so this is a bit more of a mix i can see there's a bit of kale in there so this is probably uh oftentimes we'll mix uh beet greens in with our salad green mix uh kale arugula if we happen to have it just to make it make it a nice blend so it's really popular we learned yeah, you that want to compete you, you want to be able to compete with the convenience that's offered at grocery stores you know totally. yeah so good picture of what mm. our salad greens looks like baby leaf yeah. so fresh we try yeah. to harvest smaller for the restaurant so there's different sort of specifications a restaurant will like the the baby leaf it just looks nicer. It tastes mm -hmm. sweeter. Right. So we do all of everything ourselves over time. We get our signs done and um, the radish sign, you know, when we first got up to the farm, there wasn't a lot of traffic coming to the farm. So we went, we made signs that said radish, salad, greens, uh, kale. And we just went down and drove them into the dirt so that when people were driving by, they would notice. And, and we started generating some clientele coming up there for those early season stuff. And so that's how we did it. We just built signs and, you know, we just do the things that come to mind and keep the ones that are successful and try to find another one, another way to do things when they don't work out. Mm -hmm. So here's a picture of our tomatillo. I mentioned them earlier. They're kind of a little bit of a different fruit, I'll say, because they're like a tomato. Um, quite popular, but a lot of people don't really know what they are. They're uh, like a Mexican tomato, really. Um, you pick them, they grow in this husk, and you wait until the husk basically separates, um, until the tomatillo grows large enough for it to pop its husk open. 
and uh, then they're right. Kind of the uglier they look, the more ripe and better they are. So they're kind of a fun. We put them in our salsa pack. A lot of people will buy like uh, bulk to make salsa, uh, but we mm. put them in our salsa pack and people really like them. We've got a bit of a flavor between, they're sweet, the flavor between, what do we always say, like a strawberry and a kiwi kind of? Yeah, they're that's what I think is very amazing. And yeah. again, that's something that Bob and Janet were doing when we showed up there and we decided just to, if it wasn't broken, we don't need to fix it. So we just learned how they did it and continued on. Because they had a lot of customers that wanted to keep coming there. We didn't want to alienate them at all. We wanted to, you know, make sure that some of the things, the important things that were still attracting their clientele, we wanted to keep going. Plus, the Tomatillo is an amazing thing. There's hardly anybody here in Kelowna that does them. Yeah. And it's really the reason why our salsa pack is so popular. It brings a, a certain taste, flavor to it. It's just incredible. You know, I got to mention a weird little synchronicity that just yesterday or the day before in the grocery store was the very first time in my life that I've ever seen the word tomatillo. Really? Really? And I was like, ah, I wonder what those are to my son. And we just walked by. It wasn't anything. That was the end of the story, but just interesting that you guys bring this random fruit up. Well, next time, grab one. Absolutely. No, now you've inspired me. Yep, definitely because they're very good. They're very, really good. I'm not I sure what you can put them in. I'll be making my own. That's yeah, right. you can put them in salsa, and I'm not sure what else you can put them in, but we put them in salsa, and it's super popular. Cool. So, wow, it's a good. Here's video. the you know the first year that we were in the farm, we weren't even allowed on the backside, and this is a picture of the backside. This is E block, so. There's, I don't know, 20-something beds there that we can grow in in the 30-inch wide. But where we are here is in the potato patch. This is the first year I was allowed to use the hiller. And so the, Megan talked about at the beginning how Bob has four or five little smaller tractors. They all have their own uh, duties and, and reasons to come out. And so this one, you can see it's equipped with a little hiller on the back. And it you just drive it down. Uh, the And actually, you can see the... I'm about half done there from the sprinkler down. You can see some of the hills that I've done. And so I just got off the tractor and took a picture. And so it creates this deep valley that you plant your tomato in, in the bottom. And then you come back over and you can cover them. And so this is just one of those tractors. It's just showing you sort of the backside. Mm -hmm. Bob is very reluctant to let me drive anything with four wheels <laughs> so just the smart harvest pictures this is our zucchini we try to um harvest some smaller they're much better and sweeter that way and uh yep just some little bit more harvest pictures oh microgreens so yeah, yeah so this is kind of what we just started this year oh, we've talked yeah. about it for years but uh we just started this year growing microgreens so here's the picture andy of our shelving unit this and our lights here. so we've got the so lights the sun blasters right yeah those, those are the sun, sun blasters, blasters. Yeah. nice yeah we've got two lights, two lights uh, for each shelf basically and those when i said that they came 30 bucks a piece they come with the little reflector over top of them too so you know, that's really probably a $60 bulb for half price. So 
we got that from a local supplier here called Quick Grow, and they cater to the weed growers. So just for everybody's information, I would go search out those places. If you're interested in in growing microgreens or doing anything, well, even when you're growing your own food, because a lot of times the prices will be, you know, generally a lot cheaper there. So, hmm. you know, if you were anything like us at the beginning, you know, where even buying a, a thing of starter soil was a lot of money, then I would go to these uh, places that cater to the, the weed industry because uh, for whatever reason, they sell things for a little bit cheaper. That is Man, I wonder if that's different down here. What's the legal status of cannabis up there? Uh, well, it's, I don't know if it's decriminalized or legal. Nothing's mm. really prevented me from smoking it. No, um, no, of course not. But, uh, <laughs> but it's all, uh, all the stuff that you're talking about. It's like really overpriced where I look because it's geared towards cannabis. Um, Right. because the industry is booming here you you can throw a stone yeah. and hit six dispensaries yes you know? yes yeah. Yeah. they are everywhere here they're like a 7-eleven <laughs> you know, the government's talked bad about it my whole life until they got in the business right so. exactly yeah we've always been saying tax it yeah yeah now i'm like wait taxes are stupid yeah but, that's uh, just <laughs> i Sorry. digress the uh microgreens I keep hearing that this is like a really great way for people to get into growing their own food too, because mm -hmm. it's, um, I don't know, I guess, did you guys find that it's, it's fairly easy to, to get microgreens started and, and get them going? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, a little bit of learning. I did a lot of YouTube videos, watched a lot, lot watched a lot of Curtis Stone. Uh, he went through quite a few, um, he actually the ones I watched, he went to different microgreen kind of farms. I guess you would call them a farm or microgreen producers or whatever. So I look, kind of learned quite a bit from that. Uh, one of the websites that I've learned a lot from is called Bootstrap Farmer. And they have a lot of like kind of more written stuff. So I learned a lot from that. So microgreens are a little bit different. So we got these narrow, narrow or like shallow trays. We put the soil, we grow them in soil, same soil that we use for all of our starting. Put a layer of soil you spread the seeds on and you don't cover the seeds so in lieu of covering them uh basically you stack the trays we're stacking just two at a time we have i think you can stack more but right now we're just stacking two at a time stack them cover uh like so basically you're going to black them out you want to make sure that they're not going to get any light stack them and put weight on top of them so we were using some wood for weight but we actually went and bought some uh these large concrete pavers and so it's quite a bit of weight. So we stack them for basically three or four days in the dark, but we you have to make sure they're warm enough. So don't, mm. you know, put them in the dark somewhere on the floor. So um, after that, you uncover them. So they can basically, they grow so, so that is going to force the roots down into the soil by weighting them. Mm. And then you take the weight off and they look hilarious because they're actually quite sprouted. They can actually even push that weight up and that's a concrete paper wow. um mm -hmm. so they and they when you uncover them they are yellowy white because they've had no light they're hilarious right. so we just uncovered a bunch of them today so basically that what i've got the picture of is what our um system looks like right now because i just uncovered them especially the bottom two the bottom two are definitely just uncovered mm -hmm. and they will grow so fast um mm -hmm. I seeded those a week ago 
on Thursday and I uncovered them today. And by Thursday, two of those trays are going to be ready. They're wow. taking a week right now. Dude, these amazing. aren't super warm temperatures even for us. We do have them under lights, but it's not as warm as it's going to be. So they grow remarkably fast. Uh, we've grown six different types so far. We want to make sure we want to have them available for our food box and for our uh, little kiosk customers. But so we're just kind of defining what types so far. That's why we're trying a couple different types. Mm-hmm. And yep. so we're just giving them away to our friends and friends right now. Every time my friends see me, they get more microgreens, which they're yeah, thrilled about. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> why would you complain about that? They're yeah. such a nutritional powerhouse because they grow so quickly. They uh, have all the nutrients in like the little tiny microgreens. So Mm -hmm. they are phenomenally good for you. That's inspiring. And and everybody know that we've made uh, germination jackets. And what that really is, is like lumber cover. You see trucks driving by with their lumber and they'll have covers on them. Well, those get thrown in the garbage at your local hardware stores. And so we just, used to grab those and all I did was cut them to the size of the rack and they're just a jacket that goes over top uh, to make sure that the temperatures and everything stay consistent because this is really a a controlled environment here is your friend so you can see that we've got uh, thermometers or thermometers here and what they've got a temperature and a humidity gauge Mm -hmm. so that we can open up the germ jacket and have a look at exactly what humidity is going on and what temperature it is. So you want actually relatively low humidity for microgreens. Mm -hmm. And so we keep it down around 40 humidity and optimum temp temp is 75, 70 70. 70 70 Fahrenheit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then we just, you know, you just, you do whatever you can to, to, make sure that the environment's consistent and we talk about uh how things can get complicated on a farm well if, when you figure out the system and the ways to do it it simplifies everything what you're looking at there is that's megan's work she's really taken the ball and run with it with the microgreens and this is you know within a month of you learning and going from learning on a YouTube to doing it yourself. And we really haven't run into any issues. Wow. So it's this is uh, something that I, I really want to get into as well. My wife's mentioned yeah. it too. Yeah. And so you look at the, the amount of space it takes up, you know, people start their businesses in a spare room and there are people out there making well over six figures selling this stuff to local restaurants. And again, mm-hmm. this is one of those things that people just, can't wait for this isn't the fad this isn't you know don't wait for this to not be popular anymore because it's only growing and uh when we i talked to a lot of people about um being in a society that they don't necessarily want to be in so you know this is a great place to still be working and doing whatever it is that you are doing but to make some supplemental income and to start maybe taking a foot out of that society if you really wanted to to get out because it's very tough for somebody just to overnight quit their job and start this. So mm-hmm. this is really, for me, this is probably one of the best ways for people to get out of the society if they don't, don't want to be in it. 
uh, it's an entrepreneurial sort of deal and you have your own business, you're, you control your own labor now and, you know, you're selling some of the best food and, you know, it takes up very little room. You have uh, multiple markets that you can sell to and it's a, you get high return profit for, you know, very little labor time and cost. A lot of it is really upfront. If you look at that rack system and everything entailed there, you're up and running for less than a thousand dollars. I would say easily there. You easily, could probably yeah. do two racks and you could be supplying a restaurant within a month. If you were a hustler and you really wanted to get going and maybe even not even that the way right. that this market is, you could just, all you really need to do is put yourself in front of people and prov provide your product. And, you know, I would not be shocked that within a month or so you could be supplying restaurants with a great deal of microgreens and, you know, wondering what you're going to do with the next step. Right. It's always the next step. I find that the more you do on your own, the more projects you take on like this, the more you want to take on more. That's a really great message to kind of give to everybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's super easy. There's, there's uh, really no risk involved. So all of these excuses that people have, uh, they don't exist. It's right. really just up to you if you want, it's there and it's available and you know this market is so massive that you know you could have we could have 30 microgreen providers in this city and you'd still need more yeah absolutely and, and as as a farmer they're fun to grow and satisfying everything takes so long when you grow <laughs> ordinarily right yeah. we planted our garlic in november we won't harvest <laughs> that until july like right, garlic yeah. is the longest thing to wait we for. love garlic we feel yeah. that pain yeah uh, yeah but even like carrots take all summer to grow yeah. just about whereas these microgreens yeah seed them and you're harvesting them just about right away so you're that's like, oh see what i did us. look how talented i am <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> well that's awesome the, guys yeah. this has been so amazing to, to to hear the whole ins and outs of the story and and get to know everything you're selling. I hope like, I hope you can show this to people in your area. I hope it gets more customers involved. I hope mm -hmm. it gets more people in, interested in, in growing their own food, growing microgreens. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're talking about, it, it really can start small. It can sm start simple. You don't have to be a genius or, you know, it, it's, it's very easy to you get going. To. You just have to have the motivation and the will to do it, you know? Yep. We certainly appreciate you allowing us on here to tell our story because i think that it is important for people to see that things are happening and and we are not the only ones doing these things uh, not by a long shot yeah and you know one of the other things too is that that is, needs to be said is that this farm really made a man out of me it makes man out of whoever attempts it uh and it makes a woman out of it's made a woman out of Megan in many ways because, you know, it's the great equalizer of farm. Uh, you, it, it doesn't listen to excuses. You're dealing, you're interfacing directly with mother nature. And if you don't put in the necessary effort and work, it shows in the, in the product. So 
you know, for a guy like me that wasn't maybe necessarily as disciplined as I needed to be my whole life. Well, it forced me to be. And so now I see the advantages of being disciplined and, you know, having order and all those kinds of things that lead to success. They're all habits of successful people. And for whatever reason, you know, I didn't maybe didn't have them all within me and the farm forced me to be that person. So it's not just about, you know, providing food for people. I mean, all of that is so super great, but it really, you grow too through all of this. If you're committed and you, you're doing it for the right reasons, you grow into a really well-rounded individual, Mm. which for much of our talks before Andy, that's a perfect antidote to the type of government and stuff that's going on now is to be a well-developed individual. So mm-hmm. it starts with you. It yeah. starts with you. Yeah. I just wanted to thank you for the opportunity for sure. Oh, you're welcome. I really appreciate it. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's, it's nice that uh, I can take a break from talking about gloom and doom topics and, <laughs> move Mm -hmm. to more solutions you know i do this every once in a while but not enough so i want to do more of it and i and you know we we keep mentioning that you guys aren't the only ones well i'm sure many listeners out there know that there's other podcasters involved in this community that are doing very similar things and maybe Mm -hmm. we could get like a big round table discussion together i don't even know what the specific topic would be but just to talk about how great self-sustainability is and and you know offer some advice for people out there listening you know i think it would be a great opportunity to get a to make make some new new acquaintances get some more connections going and uh yeah we'll have to we'll have to get something like that in the works if you guys would be willing to come back i know i would love to have my wife meet the both of you and have a conversation like this to further it and yeah yeah this has been really wonderful i really appreciate what you guys do and what you're bringing to the table. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, no uh, problem, man. No problem please, at all. If my listeners haven't already <clears throat> devoured everything on bulletproofpub.com, please <laughs> tell the audience where they can find some information about Hell's Half Acre. Megan, you want to do that? Yeah, we have a Facebook page, Hell's Half Acre Farms. Uh, we do have Instagram as well, and I believe that's underscore Hell's Half Acre farms and we are starting a youtube site uh just this year so yeah we have the i do have the site there's nothing on it so it's pretty hard to search right now um but this will be hopefully one of our first videos and uh carrie and i are going to work on videos for it uh duane wants to be kind of behind the scenes so carrie and i are going to do videos of harvesting seeding uh transplanting all sorts of stuff so just kind of learning videos and just get to get people interested in what we're doing. Absolutely. That's so great. That's going to help yeah. so many people. And I will be definitely share that YouTube page as soon as you guys go live with it. Yeah. Uh, yep, sure. Excellent. This is great. That'll be the first video. Yep, that's Hell right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, please go check out mm-hmm. Hell's Half Acre on Instagram and Facebook, soon to be YouTube. And if you haven't already, please go to www.bulletproofpub.com and please read some of the work that Dwayne has put out. Go back and listen to the episodes that we did. Also the one with Andy Gerard as well. That was mm-hmm. mind blowing. I'm so upset that I missed out on our, on the conversation you guys had this past weekend. 
the voice was completely gone. I could, there was no point. I would have been just dead in the water, but I hope it went well. And uh, I hope to revisit some of those topics too when I need more gloom and doom and <laughs> more reason to seek solutions. Right? Yeah. So actually, I look at I look at the work that we do and understanding history as a whole solution too. In much the oh, same yeah. way that our farm is, I provide the information and get out of the way. Damn right. It's it's holistic. It has to be. You know, you move through a problem by creating the solution. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. And please go check out all the amazing work these two are doing. Thank you, Dwayne. Thank you, Megan, for being here. Talk Thanks, everybody. Until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places. And remember... Think for yourself, but don't always believe what you think. Till next time. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, passes carrier. Enough, I get the point. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature. <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If I know what we know, then I can tell you what we know, and if someone else knows, okay? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.